1: Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to the program. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm so delighted that you decided to join us here on the new Southern Garden, where every week at 10 a.m. in the morning, and again uh, for a rebroadcast at 8 o'clock at night here on WRWH, our goal is to get growing, to learn well and grow well. Because, of course, there are a lot of things there are a lot of things that we are going to be anticipating here shortly. I don't know. Uh, it's not spring, okay? It's not spring yet. But this week in particular, we've had some some great weather. I hope that this weather, these warm days, and sort of overcast, sun peeking through every now and then, had a bit of a rain shower at night, but I hope that these this change in the weather is encouraging you to get out in the landscape to get out in your garden I don't know what you may be growing some of you have shared uh, messages with us on our website at NewSouthernGarden.com and of course on Facebook and Instagram and maybe you've been growing some vegetables some coal crops we call them not cold but coal like the brassicas the brassicas include a large group of plants cabbages cauliflower, broccoli, the greens, maybe you've been growing some lettuce or carrots. I hope that things are growing well. You know, we did have, and we've talked about many times now, that very cold, cold event that we had. It sort of felt abnormal to us, but it didn't get down below our lowest average temperatures, but it got really close. So it's been a struggle, right? It's been, you know, an interesting winter. But we are looking forward to sunnier days, warmer days, and all of that, the sun and the warmth are gonna encourage your plants to start moving, to start growing, to start doing things. If you notice and take a look around your landscape, you may see certain plants. uh, Well, we're gonna talk about forsythia today, but the yellow bell bush, lines at home is blooming already. And it usually does so sometime in February. But of course, there are even like hydrangeas. Some hydrangeas at the nursery are starting to bud out and try to grow. So it's kind of scary because we are going to have some freezing temperatures. uh, It looks like not very hard freezes, but definitely around freezing or right below. And What's going to be happening this time of year is certain plants that like to get going early, they are going to start putting out growth. They're going to start maybe blooming like the the forsythia blooms uh, very early uh, or really very late. I don't know how you look at it, late winter, early spring. And so some of these plants are going to start doing what they like to do. And you may have a case where some flowers are damaged if it does get down to freezing or below freezing. And so there may be some winter damage yet to come, but I don't expect uh, with the two-month forecast that we've been looking at here that it's going to be something dramatic. Probably the drama is over. (laughs) The drama of the six or single-digit degree days we had around Christmas, that is probably the worst of it. So you should continue to plant plants so that while the ground is still warmer than the atmosphere, it's cooler than it was uh, earlier in the winter, but... The ground is still warm enough that roots can start being stimulated to grow and you can get some great root growth on new additions to your landscape uh, so that they'll be well prepared, better prepared uh, for the spring and summer temperatures, but also potential dry, potentially dry spells that we go through. Hopefully it'll be a great year. We've had, uh, well, a lot of rain uh, above average, I believe, uh, for this time of year. And so with that being said, maybe, just maybe, it'll be a a nice year for growing things. Well, it's really always a nice year to grow things, if you ask me. But today, we are going to be talking about what I've already alluded to. Some of these, some people call them late bloomers, some people call them early bloomers, because these are a group of plants That uh, grow great in the south, but of course, because uh, of their life cycle, they are some of the first plants to bloom. Uh, You may say, well, they're the last plants to bloom because we're ending our winter season, but also we're going into the beginning of a new growing season. So they could be classified as early bloomers. So call them late bloomers, call them early bloomers. It doesn't really matter what we call them because they are going to be giving us a lot of interest. A lot of interest in our landscapes this uh, later part of winter, going into spring, not much is blooming, not much is going on. I am seeing, as far as uh, sort of the natural landscape is concerned, um, uh, red, red maples are starting to bloom in my area, and I'm sure if your red maples aren't blooming in your area, they surely will within a week or two, because of course, they are one of the first trees, one of our native trees to bloom. And you may not even notice that a red maple blooms, but they do. They bloom before really any other tree is starting to move. Uh, And that's actually the, the flower color that they have is how they get their name red maple okay uh, red maple does not refer to the color of its fall foliage uh, even though some of them can have some great red fall color and some can have red new growth as far as the leaves and stems are concerned but generally it's a, a green leaf a bright green leaf all summer long and then various variable fall colors but the red maple our native red maple Botanically speaking, it's Acer rubrum, and of course that word rubrum refers to red. Acer refers to maple. But if you look out in your landscape or as you're driving along the highways, the roads, wherever you go, you are surely to be crossing many red maples. They're quite prolific and uh, great growers. Of course, they're a native plant that's already accustomed to growing in our area. But like I said, they bloom before really any other plant starts to put out leaves or foliage or or anything like that and they're starting to do so now so what you want to look for is a leafless (laughs) which is uh, hard to say because most trees are leafless but look for a leafless tree uh, that may be growing along a wet area they don't mind wet areas along stream banks and lakes and all of that but you'll notice that on the tips of their branches their leafless branches are these bright red uh, sort of pendulous these dangly things <laughs> they they hang down and that is their flower and it's a bright red and of course it's from that flower color that we give them their name red maple so with that being said be on the lookout for red maples usually they're blooming about the time that forsythia and the uh, the, the yellow bell bushes get started and it is just a reminder when you see those red maples blooming that spring is around the corner Spring is around the corner and of course later on uh, those flowers that open up so early on the red maple trees uh, later in the summer will turn into seeds and you'll notice uh, back when I was a kid we used to call them helicopters because they are a large swollen seed with this tail that looks like a uh, sort of like a kite maybe or the blade of a propeller on a helicopter. And as they start to fall and mature, they sort of swing down and start rolling onto the ground. And of course, that's one of the reasons red maple is quite prolific because her seeds are mobile. They can get blown in the wind, tossed in the wind, and red maples can pop up well far away from where the mother uh, dropped her seeds. So look for the red maples because that is always a key indicator that things are starting to change. But in the more cultivated landscape, there are some plants that are going to indicate uh, that winter is coming to a close. Spring is about to begin. Of course, I still think that we have to get through March to, to sort of be uh, well beyond the chance of freezing uh, and definitely frost. That'll probably push into April. But these plants are plants that we're going to talk about today. These plants are plants that have been used in our southern landscapes for a long time. Maybe you're not familiar with some of them. I have talked about some of these before. But again, when we get to this part of year, a part of the year, there really aren't that many plants that are blooming. So all the plants we're going to talk about today are plants that are starting to bloom now. Uh, or maybe have already begun to bloom maybe a week or two ago. And then there are going to be a few plants on the list that are going to bloom in maybe uh, a week or two from now. And so if you can imagine trying to incorporate some of these late bloomers, early bloomers, however you want to name them, uh, incorporate them into your landscape so that this time of year, when it still looks like winter, but temperatures are starting to stabilize and sort of warm up a bit, when we get to this part of year, you will actually have something beautiful to look at. And these plants, again, are sort of the ushers of What is going to come in the spring. They're just the beginning. They're just the start and they're key indicators that a change in the uh, weather is on the way. Well, before we get into some of these specific plants today, I do want to remind you that at the end of every month, the last Saturday of every month, we love to answer your questions. We call that our Q&A week. And of course, that is where, you know, all along throughout the month, I try to give you discussions that are going to inspire you and of course, give you some education, give you some some, uh, tools and some some tasks that that are critical at certain times of the year. But I do recognize, and of course, the folks here at New Southern Garden and W. WH we know that you have specific landscape concerns and so in not just giving you inspiration that's very important to us not just uh, bringing new things to light but also trying to address the things that are going wrong in your landscape that you may need help with and I guarantee you that if you send a question in just like an In high school, when the teacher says, ask the question that you have, because probably the student beside you also has the same question, be sure to ask your question, because there are surely other people in our new Southern Garden family, our new Southern Garden community who are listening, who have that same concern. And of course, some of the things that happen seasonally are going to affect a lot of us. Um, But we don't just... We don't just want to hear about your problems. We do want to hear about your successes. So send us videos, send us uh, pictures, and you can do so, uh, of course, through the website. You can send us questions and and messages at NewSouthernGarden.com. Just click on the Contact Us page. And then... uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram because that's really where it's very easy to tag us in your photos or direct message us with your photos and videos. And that way we can share those uh, with, with the, the, the other New Southern Garden family members that we have here. So again, try to get all those in to us uh, before the last Saturday of the month, and we will try to answer as many as we can. Uh, we do appreciate uh, how how you respond uh, to 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 us and to giving us your thoughts and ideas and questions. It's really encouraging. It's really encouraging uh, to know that we're all growing together um, and, and trying to do the best we can. Well, Uh, enough of that. Let's just start talking about some of these plants that are going to be ushering in spring, plants that are going to be encouraging us that winter is coming to an end, that winter does not last forever. If winter lasts forever, I'm sure we would all go stir crazy because in a few weeks, what's going to happen is uh, the the temperatures are really going to start warming up. The days are going to feel that the sun is going to be a little bit higher and we're going to get energized and we're all going to get infected with the disease a serious disease that infects humans it's called spring fever and I know I get it every year you will get it this year I'm sure and we'll all be wanting to get out of the warmth of our house and into the warmth of uh, early spring and we'll want to be going crazy buying plants and doing new things Uh, So be on the lookout for that disease. Maybe keep track of your progress to see uh, how bad of infection you have this year. Um, Well, we've only got a minute or so in this segment, but I do want to go ahead and let's start talking about some of these plants. The, The first plant that is really an usher of spring is one that you are probably very familiar with. It's a classic plant, a heritage plant for the South. It's not a native plant, but it is a very good garden plant, and that is the camellia. Now, we've talked about camellia before so be sure to check out those episodes online at newsoutherngarden.com. But we're specifically going to talk about a group of camellias that we call the Japanese camellias. The Japanese camellias are the latest the, the later blooming camellia, and they are the ones that are still blooming now, maybe have been blooming for a while, but should continue for a few more weeks. So hang on tight. When we get back from this break, we're going to talk about these early or late bloomers, however you want to determine it. We'll see you on the other side. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the New Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our contact us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, this morning on New Southern Garden, we are getting ready to usher in spring by talking about plants that you may have in your landscape. Maybe you don't. If you don't have them, you definitely need them because these are the plants that signal to us that winter is almost over and spring is beginning. Now, I don't know really how we should title this this show today. Uh, maybe we call it spring blooming plants. Or, or, sorry, early blooming plants, or maybe we call it late blooming plants. Because depending on how you want to look at this time of year, this is basically the end of a season as far as growing goes. This is coming into a new growing season. Spring is really a new growing season. So these plants could either be considered early blooming as far as the new season goes, or they could be considered late blooming as far as last year's season goes. But regardless, they're blooming... um, After the first of the year, depending on the weather, depending on the temperatures, usually we start seeing some of these plants uh, bloom in January and then, of course, February and into March. And then really spring, really spring starts by the time we're into March and April. So with all of that being said, before the break, we were talking about Japanese camellias. Now, Japanese camellias are just one group of camellias that we use in the landscape. The other would be the Sasanqua camellia. In particular, but the Japanese camellias are camellias that bloom after the first of the year, so they're blooming later in winter, whereas the Sasanqua camellias bloom before, uh, I usually say before Christmas. <laughs> so you can extend your camellia power, blooming power by incorporating both uh, species, both varieties, both types of camellias but the Japanese camellias are well known for their very large flowers and larger leaves so they're very coarse textured plants they can become quite large Uh, you can maintain them at about any height with pruning some vigorous pruning I should say but in the course of their life without pruning uh, they could easily be 12 feet 14 feet some 15 feet tall so they do get very large but they can make a hedge they can um, be kept shorter. They can make a great specimen plant, so you have one as a feature. Uh, or if you're looking to, to to screen something, you can let them go and grow as big as they can get, as thick and full as they can get, so that you have an awesome screen. But you will start to notice the Japanese camellias blooming now, and probably have been blooming a little bit before now, and some varieties may continue to bloom well into March. When I say large flowers, some of these flowers definitely... Um, four inches, (laughs) definitely four inches wide, but we're really looking at maybe up to eight inches in size now this is very the size of the flower is very particular to maybe a variety or a cultivar so when you're looking into purchasing or bringing in some japanese camellias if you're looking for the largest flower be sure to do the research to make sure you're getting uh the, the, the biggest size you possibly could now as far as flower color goes their petals are usually different shades of white pink, and red. Now, I have seen recently, in recent years, the introduction of purple camellias, but folks, they can call it purple, but it's not really purple, okay? It's like so red that it's nearly magenta, right? So, it's so red that it's nearly uh, classified as a purple, Uh, but regardless, some of these Japanese camellias, can have variegated petals. So instead of a solid white or solid pink or solid red, you may have uh, a combination of one or two or three of those colors splashed on the foliage. And so they're very attractive, uh, very large, very showy. The blooms can be single, which means that there are only one set of petals, so you see a rich yellow center where all the, well, sexual parts of the flower are, but then many of them are very blousy, and they're truly doubles and uh, sort of bomb style, where you see nothing but petals. You cannot see those yellow centers. So these Japanese camellias um, really like our climate, Uh, they like our soil type, slightly acidic, and they have one bit of a problem. The Japanese camellias bloom at this time of year when we may have wonderful day temperatures uh, and then we may have a few nights where we have freezing temperatures. And what that is going to cause is that's going to cause any open flowers to freeze and turn brown in nearly just overnight. So you wake up one day and you notice that there are brown, nasty-looking petals on your japanese camellia well that is something we just have to deal with and suffer with you could protect overnight if you're expecting um, temperatures to drop into the freezing temperatures but regardless the plant itself the plant itself is very fine the plant will be okay They can handle uh, definitely our cold and a couple of zones maybe north of here as well. So no problem uh, with the health of the plant. It's just the sacrificing of open petals, open flowers, if we have a late freeze and and maybe even a frost that might touch them. You probably noticed that some of your camellias were damaged by the very cold temperature. The plant should be fine, but it's really a cosmetic thing. So in the spring, after the blooming is done, you can trim all of the uh, Brown leaves, uh, maybe some tip damage, some, some blackened tips. You can prune all of that back as we get into the uh, er, er, early part of spring. Now, let's talk about a plant that grows very near the ground. Now, I've talked about this before and I love it because these are very deer resistant. You need deer resistant plants, I know. I hear about it every day. And these plants have been tried and true to be resistant to deer. I'm talking about lenten rose or hellebore. Now, Lenten rose or, or hellebore, this plant is normally considered a shade plant, and it definitely is. Hellebore and lenten rose, they can grow in, in very deep shade. However, what we notice when we're cultivating uh, lenten rose is that if they're allowed a certain amount of direct sun, then they bloom So much better than if they were were in the darkest, shadiest spot of your landscape. So what I like to say is Hellebore is definitely a shade plant, but it can also be grown in maybe morning sun up to six hours or so. Now that would be considered full sun, but if you're putting it in morning sun, those plants are not getting the intense sun that comes along with the afternoon sun. So be sure to cite these so that you're getting the maximum flower power. Now, I'll say I have no problem where some of my hellebores are. It's nearly like under an overhang near the porch where the sun don't shine. (laughs) And guess what? They bloom just fine. If they do get too much sun, their leaves may turn black. Uh, Their leaves may look pretty gnarly. And that's not a problem for the plant. You just trim those leaves back and they surely will give you fresh, bright green growth to freshen up uh, the look of that Linton Rose. So Linton Rose, particularly the ones that I have at my my house, they are, they've are they been blooming, they were starting to bloom nearly <laughs> during that heavy freeze. It was shortly after Christmas, uh, first of the year or so, and those buds were right at the bottom of the plant waiting. Well, it took them a while to really get up, but this 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 week I've noticed they are just glorious. This is probably the peak. They can you've got those beautiful centers that the hellebore have, and of course the evergreen dark green foliage that covers the ground. Uh, linton rose is one of those plants. There's there's some other uh, linton rose. Some people call them Christmas rose. Uh, there's one hellebore that is called. Uh, phytitis which means stinky and the flowers the whole plant really smells bad but (laughs) overlooking the smell no matter what kind of hellebore or linton rose you're growing they are a key indicator that spring is on the way that winter is about over and of course they're going to be blooming and having so much fun uh, during these cold months Now, let's transition it back into the shrub world and talk about a plant that I've already mentioned today, and that is forsythia. Now, forsythia is just the botanical name, and some people know it as that, but my grandmother would have called it yellow bell, yellow bell bushes, the yellow bells. And, of course, this is a plant that is uh, very ancient to us here in the South. We've been using it in the South for a long time and it grows well it has really no problem Um, it can be planted in the sun it can be planted in very shady sites and what you'll notice are these long arching stems Uh, forsythia is a big plant now there's some varieties cultivars that are smaller but these long arching stems have these uh, little clusters of yellow bell-shaped flowers and folks Mine at the house and the ones at the nursery are not quite there, but they're starting to open up and starting to bloom. So when we get back to this break, we'll talk a little bit more about forsythia and some other plants that are uh, late bloomers, early bloomers, regardless. They're ushering in spring, so hang on tight. Stories So gang, this morning on New Southern Garden, we are talking about plants that are, I don't know, late bloomers, early bloomers, depending on how you look at it. Regardless, they're starting to bloom or have started or will start to bloom uh, shortly. And this is really nearing the end of winter, going into spring. And all of these plants are, like I've said before, just key indicators that spring is on the way, that not all is lost, that not all will be cold, dark forever. We will have brighter, warmer days soon enough. And these plants are quite tough in the sense that they bloom when it's very cold. Not many plants are able to do that. But the ones we've talked about today, like the Japanese camellias, the hellebore, and we left off with forsythia, All of these plants are quite tough. doesn't mean that they can't have winter damage. Some of these plants surely will have had winter damage with our uh, very deep freeze cold event that we had around Christmas. But regardless, they are still going to try to do what they do best, and that is provide us with beautiful flowers this part of the year, late winter, and pushing into early spring. So, the forsythia, the yellow bell, that's what my grandmother would have called it. The yellow bell bush, forsythia, is a early blooming plant, late blooming plant uh, that has these bright yellow, super bright yellow flowers that hang down like little bells off of these long arching stems. Now one of my biggest problems with forsythia is not really the plant itself. But it's the landscapers out there who who continue to shear back forsythia like a round green meatball. You know what I'm talking about, just a round green blob. Because that takes away from this beautiful sort of fountain effect that forsythia can give you. So when we're pruning forsythia, we don't need to bring out the hedge trimmers. When we're blooming for Scythia, we need to bring out our hand clippers, our hand pruners, and just thin the plant back, thin the plant down, leaving some of those long, arching canes. It's just gorgeous. And the other problem with the landscapers and Scythia is they don't know when to prune it. And if you don't know when to prune your forsythia, listen close, because um, forsythia blooms on last year's wood. So what is about to bloom, or in my case is already blooming, are limbs and uh, branches that were produced last year. So if we come in in fall or any time over winter and prune your forsythia, you are removing flower buds. You are removing flower buds. So if you need to prune your forsythia, prune it as soon as it's done blooming. That will still be very early spring. You'll start to see green leaves coming out on the plant. That is a wonderful time to prune it. It will have a time, you'll have all summer to rejuvenate from that pruning, to put out more branches. That will then be the branches that bloom in late winter of 2024. Okay, so don't You've got to make a list. If you've got a landscaper, if you've got a landscaper, you've got to make a list for them, okay? (laughs) Because if you don't give them a list of things to prune when, at what time of the year, then they will come in and just prune everything, usually over winter. And you are sacrificing so many glorious scenes uh, that are yet to be revealed and you will not have the kind of bloom power, bloom show that these late winter or early spring blooming plants Will give you. So, Forsythia is this very quite large sort of dome shaped plant with these arching branches. It does sucker. It does sucker. So, it sort of tries to colonize. It will fill in a space. If you don't want it to come out of a certain area, be sure to thin out those suckers. They can be dug out and planted somewhere else or given to a friend because as long as you get a root with that sucker shoot, uh, you've got a new Forsythia plant. But definitely, if it can fill in an area and just spread and sort of naturalize, they can give you some some great views, some some great scenes in the uh, late part of winter. So for scythia or yellow bell bush, as my grandmother would have called it, wonderful plant, tried and true in the south. And uh, other than the flowers, you have these very bright green leaves all all year long that usually don't suffer from drought if it's an established plant. Mine tend to wilt if it stays very dry for very long. But then in the fall, you'll have some great yellow fall color. So there's many benefits and reasons to why we would grow forsythia. But remember, she's a large plant. So give her space, give her space. Now, another blooming plant that uh, suckers, kind of like the forsythia, uh, is called quince, flowering quince. Now, this plant we've used, it's really a historic plant for the South. We've used it uh, for a long time, and so I've been in the nursery trade and green industry, we call it, for 12 to 14 years or so, and I really, you don't see quince very often at the nurseries, but there have been some new introductions that sort of revitalized the quince uh, industry, if you will, uh, that has solved two problems. So, of course, one of the problems, uh, well, really it's just one major problem with quince is that um, they get large kind of like the forsythia, they get large. And so at some point, maybe 20, 30 years ago, people decided we want dwarf plants. You know, my grandmothers, my great-grandmothers, who I never met, but I've seen pictures of their houses and flowers and plants in in front and on the side, and hearing stories about my great-grandmothers, they would have been okay with large plants. You know, hydrangeas, generally very large plants. Gardenias, the old fashions, very large plants. These quints, too, fell into that category. It's large plants. And so they were okay with it because it's all they had. But then the breeders, the plant breeders, started developing plants that were reduced in size. They kept getting smaller and smaller and that's very attractive to the modern gardener because we don't want to be trimming and pruning all the time. So there have been some developments with trying to shrink down quince's size, and I hope that we see more of these plants demanded by folks like yourself who are looking for new things to grow because they bloom. So their blossom looks very much like a rose. Some of the quince's are single, and they just have a single set of petals with a bright yellow center, but some of the quince's are doubles and they have these huge, uh, uh, just lousy flowers. And so, with that being said, they come in a variety variety of color. You have white quince, you have pink quinces, coral princes, uh, red, red princes, quinces, red quinces and um, well, there's some orange quinces too. So the quinces are a large group of flower color that can really interest any garden and fit well uh, into the landscape. Now remember, quince blooms before most of your other plants do. So if you think this plant is going to clash, the, the color of this particular quince you want to grow is going to clash with your hydrangeas or something else that blooms, roses later on. Remember, the quince will be done blooming before your true spring and summer blossoms come out. So there's usually no crossover with clashing of colors. So get the brightest, colorfulest quince you possibly can. Let it do its thing. And by the time your spring plants come out, the quince will be long bloomed out. And it'll just be a great green shrub. Quince has a smaller leaf usually. Uh, It's quite variable depending on the variety, but they do have a bit of a softer texture. And so during the summer when the quince is not blooming but has foliage, uh, it can still contrast well with some of the larger leaf plants that you may be growing in spring and summer. Uh, Quince is a general term. There's a group of plants called quince that is like a pear almost. It's a fruit tree fruiting plant but we're not talking about the fruiting quince we are talking about the flowering quince that's the sole reason why we grow it is for its flower now like i said the quince plant will colonize it will send up suckers at its root system so maybe that's a good thing for you if you want a plant to just fill in a space Um, but if you don't want a plant that fills in a space you may want to consider a different plant or put in a quince where it's okay if it can fill out now with all that being said any of those suckers just like on the forsythia can be dug out lifted and replanted to multiply your stock or to give to friends and family but again The quince is just one of those plants, another glorious plant that is going to be blooming very soon at the late part of winter, early part of spring, and it's going to indicate to us that there's definitely a change on the way. Now let's talk about some really small plants. We'll talk about some bulbs. Uh, Of course, I've got to mention daffodils because they're blooming right now. They're really, uh, at least uh, the ones that are at the nursery, uh, in the ground, uh, the ones at my garden. You've probably noticed yours have at least popped out of the ground with nice buds ready to open or maybe they've already opened. The daffodils are a bulbous plant that we usually plant in the fall they do need a period of cold chilling hours and that's why it's critical to get those bulbs in the ground in the fall or if you're planting late You can buy them uh, pre-chilled, pre-vernalized, I believe is the word, uh, the botanical word, the horticultural term, and that way they'll be ready to bloom in the spring, or I should say late winter, early spring. But the daffodils seem to be blooming earlier and earlier. Maybe it's because our winters are kind of (laughs) harsh at one point, and then it gets really warm, and that just stimulates those bulbs to grow. But of course, daffodils come in a variety of whites and oranges and corals and yellows, sort of orange. Too, Maybe even some reds. I've seen some inflection of red on the petals on certain varieties, but daffodils aren't the only bulbs that are blooming early. Crocus is probably even earlier than that. Sometimes crocus will be blooming and there's snow on the ground, Uh, maybe not in our part of the world, but in some parts of the world. So crocus, very low growing bulbs um, that again should be planted in the fall so they have a time to chill before blooming uh, starts and they come in a variety of purples with whites and pinks and and whatnot, so another group of beautiful colors, and uh, hyacinths, they'll be on the way soon, you know, they're an early spring blooming plant, they're probably maybe sending up some foliage now if you have some hyacinths, Uh, but They are usually whites and purples as their main color, blues, almost really true blues, and of course some pinks. So don't forget about the bulb plants. They are you know, short flowering like many of these plants we're talking about, but they do help to fill in the season, to fill in this season, this particular season, when there's really not that much blooming. There's not that much blooming, so we've got to get creative. And, you know, the great thing about bulbs is they don't take up much space. Many of these bulbs can grow in full sun, in an open field if you have it, or under trees if you've got shade, and they'll still perform very well. Daffodils in particular are great at naturalizing, so they will slowly slowly expand their little colony of plants. You'll get more blooms year after year as that colony gets bigger. And of course, it's just a it can be a showstopper. You know, uh, here in our state in the North Park, sort of towards Cherokee County um, is Gibbs Gardens and uh, we used to be members there for a year when we lived closer to that area and could uh, just swing over there when we felt like it Uh, but now it's a drive for us so Gibbs Gardens is well known for their daffodil show they've got I don't know they they have a number it feels like millions of daffodil bulbs that bloom uh, seasonally so be sure if you want to see what you could have in your own landscape if you love daffodils uh, you can always check out Gibbs Gardens gardens here uh, in North Georgia. So we are coming up on a break, but we've still got several more plants that I'd love to talk about. I'll just introduce you to the next shrub that is a late winter, early spring bloomer. Uh, It blooms on leafless twigs, so it's very attractive. This is the Chinese paper bush. Now the Chinese paper bush is sort of at at, when it's mature, is a dome-shaped plant, a perfect dome. You can draw a line. It's like you set a bowl, on a big bowl on top of it. It's like an inverted bowl. <laughs> and along the tips, uh, when it's blooming, are these large clusters, just a panicle-like, just a cluster of yellow blooms. They're quite fragrant, too. Uh, the next few plants we're going to talk about aren't just blooming in the late part of winter, but they're also very fragrant. So hang on through this break, and we'll get some fragrance in your winter landscape. Well, gang, of course, that is little Eden Rose. We need to update her voice because, of course, that was maybe a year ago now that we recorded that. And she's a year older. Her and Ezzie or Ezra Scott, they're both growing. And just like kids, your garden is going to be growing soon. It's going to be growing soon because there's a change in the weather. There are we've had some really great warm days anytime we we're, we're in the 60s, maybe even high 50s for an extended period of time, things get moving. If we think of uh heat The temperatures and sunlight as uh, something we can turn up, like on the stove. We can turn a knob. Anytime we crank up sunlight and crank up heat, that stimulates plants to get growing. So today we've dedicated the entire show to one topic, and that's plants. Every now and then I have to talk about plants because. When we're trying to grow gardens, uh, you, you don't make a great garden without any plants. So this year, this time of year in particular, is really critical to talk about plants because there's not a whole lot blooming. Now, we've talked about evergreen plants, and don't forget to use plenty of evergreen plants in your landscape and in your garden to give you some kind of interest all winter long. But this time of year in particular... Because we're having increased days, uh, rather increased temperature during the days and even at night, um, we're not nearly as cold as we were. We will have some freeze. We will have some frost. We're not over that yet. But there's a great group of plants that we've been talking about today that are bloomers for late winter, early spring. We've talked about camellia and linton rose and forsythia and quince and a number of bulbs like daffodils, crocus, maybe even group hyacinth in that group because they are uh, early blooming bulbs. But before the break, we were talking about paper bush, Chinese paper bush. Now, uh, Chinese paper bush is uh, well known for its large yellow clusters. Uh, the, the actual flower of a paper bush is small, but these small flowers are clustered together to make a huge looking inflorescence. We call it a flower structure. And it's very impressive. Um, they do have a bit of a fragrance, so there is a benefit there. But the cool thing about paperbush is that it blooms on naked stems. There's no leaves. It's a deciduous plant, so it drops its leaves in the winter, and, ju- uh, well, rather in the fall, and just like forsythia, blooms before it puts out foliage. So it's a great attraction. It makes this perfect kind of dome shape. Uh, it is considered a shade plant. You may not put it in full sun but still if it got morning sun even during the summer and afternoon shade it should do just fine and get enough energy stored away so that it blooms well as well. Now the next group of plant we've the next plant we've talked about before and i'm probably going to mention it every year this time of year in particular because daphne or winter daphne is a wonderful evergreen shrub uh, generally only three or four feet tall it too sort of takes on a natural dome shape so it doesn't require a lot of pruning but of course their blossoms are super fragrant now daphne uh, there's many varieties cultivars uh, sort of the standard is a dark green leaf with white sort of an uh, a creamy white bloom. but there are also pink flowering daphness and daphness that have variegated foliage. Uh, so the marginata daphnes, if you will, they are a evergreen plant with a green leaf, but the edges of the leaf are sort of a creamy white, and that adds just another layer of color and attraction into your winter landscape. The fact that it's evergreen and the fact that it blooms in the late part of winter, I think it should be a winner uh, for any landscape. We've got to have some Daphne, oh well, and the fact that it is fragrant. You can put it near a patio or porch. We've got some at the house right off the back porch uh, in a shady site because they don't Necessarily need a lot of direct sun, uh, but they can take indirect sun or maybe morning sun. The other thing, Daphne does not like is wet soil now you know in the south we can struggle with that because of course our soil is generally clay based and clay can hold on to lots of water so when you're planting daphne unlike maybe other shrubs you do want to maybe incorporate some organic matter i don't always do that but i do soften the soil that i'm going to put back around the root ball and the key thing to planting a daphne and not uh get its roots too moist is don't plant it too deep so actually dig a very shallow hole maybe only half the um half the height of the root ball and then dig a super wide hole and bring all of that soil up to the top of the root ball so that the daphne looks like it's on a little mound now that's going to be critical because the roots then if it's mounded up we call that planting proud the roots of the daphne can grow into the areas that aren't too wet if you have a little slope or a little ridge, you can probably plant the plant level with the soil, but if it's a flat area, uh, if it holds water, I would not Ever put a Daphne in that situation. But if you are going to plant a Daphne, put it on a little mound, and in a few years the mound will disappear. Everything will settle down and the root system, uh, it won't look like it's on a mound forever. Trust me. I, I saw a, a 12 or 15-year-old plant that was mounded 15 years ago when it was planted, and it looks like it was planted at ground level. But mounding it uh, for those first few years of root development can be critical to keep roots from staying too wet. Now the last Last plant we'll have time for today, as far as these plants that are ushering us into spring—they're blooming in the late part of winter and pushing this early part of the upcoming spring—is going to be a plant, one of my favorite plants. You don't see it very much. It's called winter. Honeysuckle. I think I've mentioned this to you before on the previous episode, so you can uh, look back at NewSouthernGarden.com for, for that. But winter honeysuckle, you don't see in the nurseries. We are growing it at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. We're growing it because I love it. It is a deciduous shrub, a very large shrub. That's probably one of the reasons that we don't see it much. Uh, people want short plants. But if you look at old home sites, old farmsteads, home places, you'll see a winter, usually a winter honeysuckle or two here and there. Because it was a plant that our ancestors loved. Why? Well, because it's blooming now. Uh, the, the mother plant of all of our babies at my parents' house is blooming now, loaded with these icy white, almost translucent. You can almost see through them. Light will just pick up and shine through the petals. Uh, it's about the same size as any h- honeysuckle flower, but of course, it comes with a sweetness, a great uh, fragrance. Now, the shrub is deciduous, like most honeysuckles are, and they'll drop their leaves in the fall, but they are, they can make a great Deciduous screen or hedge if you're looking to hide something during the summer, but it's not critical to be uh, hidden in the winter This is a wonderful plant because it like some of the other plants we've talked about can sucker And it can grow left to right front to back and fill in a space with these root suckers and sort of colonize But to me, the fact that it is a plant that is blooming in the late part of winter, it smells great. Uh, A lot of times on the old home places, you'll see them planted off the front of the porch, the corner of the porch, because they do get large, so they need some room. Um, You can hedge them, you can trim them, you can keep them small. But because they are so fragrant, you'll see them on uh, old home sites right on the corner of a porch or so, or of course nearby, where we can enjoy that fragrance. So gang, today we have mainly talked about plants that are going to be ushering us into spring, getting us ready uh, for for spring. These are these late winter bloomers or early spring bloomers, however you want to look at it. We've talked about camellia, Lenten rose, forsythia, quince, bulbs, uh, paper paperbush, daphne, and winter honeysuckle. If you don't have one of these plants, I encourage you to look for them and install them today. Well, thanks for joining us here on New Southern Garden. My name is Nathan Wilson for WRWH 93.9 FM. I hope you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Uh-huh. I've been in the city too long.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurturyGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for
1: Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show.